I have heard this song so many times, but I don't know no a single word. On this episode, we'll kick off with a tavern talk about our favourite war films and the genre in general. For the main discussion, we'll do a deep dive into Songs in the Key of Life, an album by Stevie Wonder from 1976. And in the outro, Barrier will introduce the topic for next episode, which is Rain Man, a film with Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Hello, and welcome to The Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today... We're going straight to the wiki wiki wild wild west. With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Hello. And I am Enon. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today, we're discussing Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, a 1976 album. In a way, we're continuing our <laughs> Rolling Stone albums saga with this one. We've listened to the Beach Boys' Pat Sounds and Joni Mitchell's Blue, which are number two and number three, respectively, on Rolling Stone's magazine's 500 Greatest Albums of All Times list. And this one, Songs in the Key of Life, is ranked at number four. Uh, one day we'll do number one, and then we'll only have like four... 196 albums left to get to know the whole list. Uh, <laughs> a list that we don't really believe in too much, I'd, I'd say. But before we continue to work our way through the list, let's do some Tavern Talk. Thank you, Peter. Good old Tavern Talk. Today on Tavern Talk, we've decided to talk about our favorite war films. Uh, Peter, you've suggested this topic. What's there? Uh, a specific reason for for this topic? I think I was listening to a lot of John Lennon's um, new sort of release. It's it's like a compilation album. I mean, they all are now. It was called um, Give Me Some Truth. Is there any more new, like, new material? Stuff you've never heard of? Or is it all remastered stuff? No, it's all remastered stuff. It does sound pretty good. Having it all in one long album kind of made it nice to have like um just mm. ready to refer to everything but he has a lot of songs focused on war my favorite of his actually in the beatles is probably um revolution i don't think i know that one um yeah i don't know got me got me thinking about war films and war by you too <laughs> <laughs> it is weird to have this whole genre dedicated to like war you know, like, you don't have peace films or you don't have, like, <laughs> interrogation films or, like, torture films or... I guess you I guess you might have, like, legal films, I guess. Yeah. But, like, it, it is one of the... One of the biggest genres based on, like, a small aspect of life. But, I mean, war is pretty crazy, so what do you expect? 
And I guess it's probably due to the success of the genre. It's had many films which have gone down in history as like amazing films like Saving Private Ryan, Lone Survivor and you know all these all these big films. They're always like big yeah. blockbusters. You don't you don't often find like budget ones or even sort of like ones that you fly under the radar because they often require just a massive budget just due to like the explosions and stuff like that and the and the amount and the, of like um, extras yeah yeah and plus all the dead people and stuff so yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah so no i was just generally thinking about the category and i realized we hadn't really ever talked about war films or even a war film i guess no. um no. to my knowledge and um yeah i thought i don't know let's bring it up let's talk about our favorite war films like what makes a good war film or maybe you like them maybe you don't i i've no idea so yeah i think let's just start off with like what's have obviously everyone's seen war films but like when did you first see kind of like the genre as a genre and like when did you um see the first one you liked do you want to start on yeah sure i like when you suggested this topic i i was sure i could come up with a few good ones like a bunch of good movies because mm. you know who everyone's seen at least a few war films and you know, when I sat down to think about it, I couldn't think of many war movies that I've I've watched, like, at all. And I couldn't come up with a war movie that I really loved. You know, like, th- there wasn't one that popped out to me as, like, yeah, this is my favorite war movie. And I looked up lists of, like, the best war movies. And, and out of those, I could only point at two, which I've watched. Uh, there's Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk? Hmm. I'm not sure how to say it. By, uh, what's his name? Nolan. Chris, Chris Nolan. Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Uh, and I'm not sure I totally got it, uh, so so I can't say I loved it. And 1917, which came out like a couple years ago, and I didn't really love. Two recent films. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've watched Saving Private Ryan when I was like way too young for it, so I don't remember anything from it. I, I didn't get it at all. I guess I'm just not big on war movies. What about you, Mario? Have you got like one that stands out? I'm not a big fan about war f- films as well, because... I keep finding myself very stressed by them. I, I think that's kind of like the point, and maybe you enjoy it, but uh, Saving Private Ryan is, is a good example. You're, you're being hunted by it after watching it. Do you remember the part with the, with the knife to the heart? No, no, not at all. You don't remember that? No. I, I think I watched that movie like 10 years ago, and, and I still... Uh, I've never seen it, actually. You've never seen... Oh, there's this horrible... Se- uh, well, can I spoil it? Yeah, I think... No, 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 don't. I, I might watch okay. it tomorrow. Okay, okay. That um, saying could have gone... I, I might watch it tomorrow as in like... I just thought about it now. I might win the load. <laughs> it sounded very much like... I don't know what could happen. <laughs> yeah. but like, I, I, I'm actually... I've got a free day tomorrow. I'm thinking I might do it. <laughs> I might watch it tomorrow is what you meant to say. <laughs> Half the listeners will get it one way. Living life to the fullest. So anyway, you know, it's 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 a movie that you're kind of carrying with you because it's so stressful. But I guess there are some, like there's a, did you see Full Metal Jacket? No. Me either. Like war films are also usually heavy. Yeah. Would you say that uh, Inglorious Bastards is a war film? I wouldn't call it a war film, but it's in all the lists I've mentioned. Oh, really? Like people do refer to it as a war film. Peter, what do you think? I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter has just been asking about war films. He, has, he hasn't watched 
Any. He has a free day tomorrow, <laughs> and he wants to know what the best one is. <laughs> you usually would think that um, war movies are things that, you know, just happen within a war. But usually it's a movie that really tries to capture the, the horrible situation of war where, like, we all watched Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. So imagine, like, the, the scene in the, in the jungle in Vietnam, but just for <laughs> very long parts of the movie. Yeah. Would you say you avoid war movies? I don't, I don't avoid them as like horror movies. I, I avoid yeah, them. Like, yeah. I, I, I can plainly admit that. <laughs> war movies just don't really attract me. Mm. But don't get me wrong. I think that there are some good, yeah. some good ones out there. Mm. Watching a war film in Australia is a little bit different because we don't have such like a military presence in our country. Like we still have like soldiers and we still have like an army and yeah. stuff. But... It's not as prominent. Like in the US, like people salute Marines and like people can walk around in like army gear and stuff like that. But in Australia, it's like very rare. So often it's like a lot of the war films are American and it's sort of like, it's interesting because we don't get that. So for some, I think it would feel a bit of like a void in terms of like when they watch the films, they can understand other countries a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But for some... I think there's probably like a lost in translation aspect where we might not just understand why they do the things they do because we've grown up without that kind of thing in our lives. For me, I, I think I fall into like the first camp. I think I kind of, I like that insight into like American soldier life and stuff like that. But also for the, for war films, the thing I want is like, or the thing I enjoy about them the most is it brings me out of my reality and it puts me into like a different sort of um, setting like so quickly. Whenever I'm watching a rom-com, I can never get that as much, you know, like I always have that feeling that I am just watching a movie, even with like a cool action movie or something like that. I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't feel that real, but with war films, they've really nailed feeling like you're there, feeling like it's like, you're the last line of defense. Like you really do get that um, feeling. And I, I, I love that feeling. I, I think it's great because I'm still at the back of my mind. I still know it's a movie, but I enjoy the feeling. So I've got three, if you don't mind me going into them, but yeah, go. actually I'll, I'll leave my favorite for last. But the first m- movie I saw really, that was a war film was Fury. Wasn't it actually that long ago? Oh, but... I saw that one. The one with the tank. Yeah, yeah. Is it with Brad Pitt? It is Brad it Pitt. It is, yes. Yeah. He had a yeah. very famous kind of haircut in that one. I think a lot of people kind of copied that. But um, Oh, I like that movie. Yeah. Forgot about it. I saw that in cinemas, actually, with a bunch of friends. And You have friends? <laughs> <laughs> I know they really liked it, and I thought it's fantastic. I, I'm a big Brad Pitt fan, and um, I thought... It's just fantastically executed. It it had such a good last scene. I don't, in case someone wants to see it, I won't ruin it. But it's like a light-hearted kind of scene at the end. But it is like a little bit of like a tank defense movie. Like it, they just have to defend their position from a tank. And it's quite heroic. It's like a four-man unit from what I can remember. And they had just such a big impact on a war for such a small amount of people. And it's... It's small in terms of like, it's not a massive cast or anything like that, but it feels really satisfying towards the end. Mm. So I, I enjoyed it. I don't remember everything from it because it's been a few years, but I thought it was fantastic. The second one was um, Lone Survivor. This is um, 
something I saw just at home, but I, I, I didn't see it that long ago. It must have only been maybe three or four years ago, but um, the first time I saw it, it was like nothing else. Like It's basically just a survivor story, so there was no like massive ground being made. There was no target that was taken out. They didn't progress any distance or <laughs> any way shape or form in this in the battle it was more just like someone survived it and it was shot perfectly uh mark Wahlberg plays the main character he plays it well it's kind of like a test of how far you can push like one person to the brink of death without actually killing them and i thought it was just a fantastic film like it it was the first time i really experienced like what a war film should be like it was like I felt like I was in the movie and then at the end it was like that massive bout of relief and I think that's what a lot of people like about it, the relief as well at the end. If you don't get a resolution, then I don't think people would really watch them. So I think there's a bit of controversy about how true the story mm. is, so I'm pretty agnostic towards that. Whether it's true or not, the movie is still fantastic. So yeah, I really like that one. Have any of you seen that one? No, haven't. I'd recommend it. It's pretty crazy. And... um the last one, which is my favorite, I don't think many people would have this as their favorite war film, but it's 100% mine, and this is the best tower defense <laughs> movie ever. There's something about a tower defense movie which is just so, like, kind of like all the zombies are, like, coming in and you've just got to defend it. Like, hundreds of people and you have, like, the first wave, the second wave, and, you know, suddenly you had a wall up, which was, you know, you're like, oh, what happens if they climb up the wall? And then the wall goes gets blown up and then it's like oh well now they're finished and there's something so visceral about seeing like what's between you and death and this film is uh, i think it's called 13 hours the soldiers of benghazi don't quote me on that but the secret soldiers of benghazi secret yeah. soldiers of benghazi and it's amazing so basically like the 13 hours refers to like how many hours they had to fight basically just d defending, like, this small bit of land they had. And also there was people, like, non-fighters, like, more like civilians, but um, working for the US, in the tower. So they couldn't, like, if they, if the soldiers died, then like, everyone inside died. So it's just amazing. It's just the most amazing sort of last half an hour of a film that I've ever seen. It's it's fantastic. So, um, and has John Krasinski, I think his yeah. name is, and he... He doesn't strike me as a person that would be good in a war film until I saw this. And then I was like, oh, okay, he can do anything. Everyone so. mostly know him as the, the geek from uh, the, the Office, Office, Jim. And uh, he's good there, but like you wouldn't expect him to be an action war film star. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I heard he's pretty good there. Yeah, no, he was, he was really good, actually. I think he's a bit of a chameleon actor. He sort of can do a lot of different things. I think his career is taking off. Like, I think he's now going to direct a few movies. He's done A Quiet Place, mm. which was a fairly successful kind of horror film, maybe. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, I really like him. I really want to see that movie now. Uh, the 13 Hours looks great. Yeah, I'd 100% recommend it. It seems like a nighttime movie, whereas Lone Survivor seems more like a daytime mm. movie. So, if you've got a full day and night break, <laughs> then that's... That's sorted. <laughs> Don't watch them twice in one day. <laughs>
I wanted to bring up a movie as well, which isn't exactly a war movie. Like, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think anyone would consider this a war movie. Cold but like, Blood, Mole Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Even further away, it's an animated film. Like, it's a movie uh, in which the war, like, plays a major part in its setting. So it's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> uh, it's the, the movie The Wind Rises from uh, 2013, a Japanese animated movie by Studio Ghibli, Studio Ghibli. Have you guys heard of it? I've heard of Studio Ghibli, yeah. but I haven't heard of the movie. They have a bunch of like famous films, and that one was, I think, the last one before the guy, uh, Miyazaki, I think his name is, retired, though he's unretired now, working on a new movie. But The Wind Rises, uh, it follows the life of someone called Jiro, who's an aircraft designer. Um, he helped in designing planes that were used as weapons in World War II. So it has war, like, in the background. I watched that movie when we were in America, Barrio, uh, on one of, like, the slow days in which we didn't have too much to do. I was laying in bed. I didn't really know what I was getting into with this movie. And, you know, when you're on a long vacation and you're used to doing whatever you want all the time, I think uh, it's it's a bit easier to keep an, an open mind. So I just watched that movie. And I'm bringing up this movie because, like, while you don't really see the war throughout the movie, it's kind of a calm, gentle movie, you know? It's animated with, like, bright, lively colors, but it did stick in my mind as a war movie because, like, the main thing that I really found interesting in this movie was the contrast between Jiro's love of aircrafts and, like, the beauty he finds in them and the fulfillment and joy he takes from his work and now how all of that contrasts with how his creations are used for war, like specifically World War II. I remember being hit hard by that. So it, it's not a war movie, but it captures a bit of what makes war movies disturbing, you know? So I just had to bring this up. I totally recommend that movie. Hmm. It's a Saturday morning movie. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what, what's its name again? The Wind Rises. Uh, hmm. Oh, under IMDb, it is listed as romance slash war. So maybe it's not that big of a stretch. I have a question. So I've always considered the quintessential war movies to be sort of like boots on the ground. Yeah. There's a unit, like there's an army. They're in some dusty place. They've got big guns. They've got ammo on them and they've got helmets and sunnies and stuff like that. But you do get some movies that more recently that have adapted so... Because now we have drones. I say we, I mean, I don't have any <laughs> drones. But, you know, there are drones and there's like, there's there's times where you don't actually need soldiers. So it's like aircraft carriers and stuff yeah. like that. There are some directors that have done movies incorporating these new technologies, right? However, like, there's always still that aspect of like, they're flying over with the drone, you know, areas that used to be, you know, it, it, it's, set in the, it's set in the light of like, we used to have soldiers here, but now we just do it with drones. But what happens in, like, say, 50 years when either it is there's no drones, even it's just a nuclear standoff, or hopefully, you know, we can we can say like there is no war, or it's just sort of like what what, what do you call them, um, Barrio, like DDoS mm -hmm. sort of um, <laughs> attacks on mm -hmm. like, websites, or it's just Twitter posts. Only virtual if they wars. make a dislike button on <laughs> Twitter, you know, like it's it's just like info wars, you know. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. what happens then? Like, what will the war category of films be? Will they just become sort of like political films 
or will they still be around and just trying to like recreate like will it just be like a nostalgic genre because the way i look at it is that remember when we saw the good the bad and the ugly with the cowboy Mm. films well as soon like that's obviously made in 1966 about a much earlier time in the 60s they were still pretty common but in the 2000s, you don't get cowboy films anymore. No, not as many. So that whole genre is sort of dried up. Do you, is that what's going to happen to war films? I, I always kind of assume that we'll never run out of movies about, like, the great wars. You know, like World War One, World War Two. Mm. But, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they'll dry up. Maybe they'll, I don't know, move on to something else. But... I don't know. I think we'll always have war movies around. There does seem to be like an endless supply, doesn't yeah. it? Like there's been like the tattooist of Auschwitz and then there's like the accountant of Auschwitz. <laughs> There'll be soon like the... Cobbler like, of Auschwitz. The hairdresser of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the assistant welder of Auschwitz, yeah. you know, like... yeah i don't know how close to the bottom of the barrel they're getting but i mean like because obviously with like millions of people involved there's going to be thousands of stories like because any story is interesting like the story about anne frank is interesting yet it doesn't involve many people you know what i mean it's it's there's so many stories to be had which is probably why they're so popular because these stories didn't come out for so long that when they do you know they, they're made with a better budget and done on the big screen, but eventually it's got to run out and eventually like, I think they might become sort of, I was going to say sort of like more like just generic action films, but based on like a, like kind of like spy films, I guess. But even spy films should be dated because spies used to be like, well, I don't know, maybe my history is wrong, but I felt (laughs) like spies were more like a 19th century thing. Oh no, 20th century. Like I felt like it was like the seventies, eighties, maybe nineties where it was like us and Soviet union. And now that's just divulged into like Facebook advertising. (laughs) So they don't need spies. We'll just, we'll just rely on like the American public just to hire (laughs) like a buffoon. (laughs) You're right. When you're calling, like you said something like uh, war films, the, the genre is maybe, the most specific, narrowest, major genre. But I think they'll always come up with stuff like Jojo Rabbit, you know? Like, they'll be able to tell more yeah. personal stories within that setting. I don't think, we'll, I don't think they'll go true. away. They'll become Space Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, Stevie Wonder, born Stevland Judkins in Michigan. <laughs> is one of the most iconic musicians to grace the stage. A premature baby, complications at birth caused Stevie to be born blind, as everyone, well, you might not know he's born blind, (laughs) but everyone knows he's the blind musician. Yeah. But you might not know that a car crash in 1973 also led to his loss of smell. Really? And for a short time, his taste as well. (laughs) So... For a short time, Stevie was basically just a walking set of speakers and microphones. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, His career started pretty early, actually. He was known as Little Stevie Wonder. I know. How do they think of these things? (laughs) And he would sign with Tampa Records, who he's been with um, for his whole career, at age 11. And at age 13, 
would already have a number one hit with the single Fingertips. That's crazy. Uh, by <laughs> 1976, which is the uh, Songs in the Key of Life, um, was his 18th studio album. That's wild. It is, 18. He was, what, like 26? More than most people ever make. Yeah. <laughs> and by the end of 1975, just before he started recording um, this album, Steve was just about to hang up the microphone and emigrate to Ghana <laughs> to help disadvantaged kids. What a selfish bastard. Um, however, he did have a change of heart, luckily for us, not so lucky for the <laughs> Ghanaians. Ghanaians? Okay. Um, <laughs> and he signed another seven-year record deal. Um, Key won the album of the year at the 19th Grammy Awards and is number four on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums list, which we're slowly going through. Yeah. In 2005, <laughs> this is a bit of quig foreshadowing, the album was inducted into the National Recording Registry <laughs> by the Library of Congress. Library of Congress has good taste. Yeah. Which deemed it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I think they're a bit too easy to get into. <laughs> They're, they're inducting everyone. <laughs> I don't know what the library is for. Is it, do they do anything? Like, I assume you get a certificate, but like, is there like a bunker, like underground <laughs> or something with these things? I don't know. I thought it was a metaphorical library. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too, but maybe we should look that yeah, up. Yeah, we should there. look into that. Maybe we should do a culture quest field trip. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, it's got to be like some in the middle of nowhere, yeah. like right next to like an Amazon <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> the singles from the album are, I Wish... Isn't She Lovely, Sir Duke, um, Another Star, and As. Many listeners and fans consider this to be the quintessential Stevie Wonder album. Yeah. All right, let's go into uh, what we always start with, just the initial thoughts. And also, let, let's start off with if you had any previous background with Stevie Wonder, like um, have you listened to an album before? I know we haven't listened to this album, I don't think, yeah. except for a non Recently, I heard it um, once a while back. A friend recommended it to me, and that was like a perfect example for for like an album that you know I listened to it once, like a couple of months ago. You know, my thoughts were, "It sounds nice. I should like this, but I'm not going to listen to this anymore." Mm. And now you brought it up for the podcast. I had a great time with it. Like I, I really enjoyed this mm. album. So it's just a matter of giving it the amount of time it needs to kind of sink in. Maybe you can start on. What was your experiences with Stevie Wonder in general, and how did you find uh, listening to the album? I never knowingly listened to any Stevie Wonder albums, except, like I said, once to this one. I, I didn't know he had like seventeen prior albums. I didn't know he was like a star at 12. I didn't know any of this. And, you know, everyone knows Stevie Wonder's name. Everyone's seen a picture of him, like with that grin and, you know, sunglasses on a piano. He uh, hasn't. But so when I started listening to this album, uh, that, that's a good joke, Peter. I went way over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so when I started listening to this album, there were two main things that immediately stood out to me. You know, the first one is how long it is, because this is a dub double album. You know, comparing this to other albums we've done, you could play uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's Deja Vu or Joni Mitchell's Blue three times in the amount of time it takes to play this album once. Um, Taylor Swift's Folklore, a 16 songs album that we've considered to be long, is 40 minutes shorter than this one. <laughs> and, mm. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and Queen's Live at Wembley uh, is six minutes longer than this one, but I feel 
that the standard it's is different concert. when it comes to live albums. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. concert. They're taking like 10 minutes to do a Brian May solo. It's, it's a bit different. And uh, I'm going to reserve my opinion about how long it is for, for later because we'll get into it. But I'll mention that you know, on my first listen, I didn't even come close to finishing this album, the whole thing, because it's just so long. So I employed a strategy that I don't usually use. Like, I always play this album on shuffle to kind of give all of the songs the same amount of exposure. And after a while, I figured which songs I liked more. I stuck with those for a while. And in the last few days, I tried giving some more airtime to the songs that I didn't listen to as much. And the second thing I noticed while listening to this album is how many songs I recognized, because a bunch of those songs, there's like 21 songs on this album, and I'd say that like eight are songs that I recognize because they were covered at some point or sampled in other places, and, or, or they were just songs that were that are just very recognizable. And on my first listen-through, I didn't have enough time to listen to the whole thing, but... You know, I had a few minutes left, so I just scanned through the rest of the album and I kept running into songs that I at least heard at some point. I recognized them. So that actually made the listening experience to this album kind of easy because I knew there was always a good chance that I'd run into a song that I recognize. That always kept me interested. So if I'm usually like looking for hooks when I'm getting to a new album, and sometimes I have to look very carefully... Like with Joni Mitchell's Blue, it was kind of hard to find hooks to get into. But with this album, I didn't have to worry about that at all. And all in all, I really like this album. It's not a style that I listen to often, but I do really like the funky drums, the running bass, the trumpets and saxophones and and, and everything. It's a style I always am interested in getting to know a bit better. And, you know, the quieter, deeper, more touching songs in this album, which there's plenty of, they always had a bunch of charm to them. And having said that, I do think that this album is a bit of a mixed bag. Like, there were songs that I really loved, and there were songs that I prefer to skip. There were songs I didn't connect with as much, some that I didn't connect with at first. I did connect with more towards the end of these two weeks. Uh, but some did stay left behind, kind of. What about you, Mario? Similar experience at the, at the beginning. I started listening to it and, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. But, you know, when you listen to an album, you want to get the whole concept. So you want to, to listen to it through and through. And it was just like usually when we do some music albums, I, I take a walk and, and I just until I get to where I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm done listening. And this was not the case. <laughs> no. You know, I, I actually found myself kind of taking a longer route to, like, extending my route to, so <laughs> so I'll have some more listening time, but it still wasn't it. I actually restarted the process, but in, in uh, I didn't go shuffle, but I had I had some time off, and I sat and, and handled a couple of things on, on my computer, and, and while doing that, I listened to it. So I wasn't focused on it you know as i was in in my first listen but i got all the way through and and um i enjoyed it so maybe i also need to say that i never got to actually listen to him and um like i knew he was good i knew he was an incredible musician and a pianist but i i never took the time to listen to his talents yeah i and i don't think many of our generation uh, did like i think i only have one friend who really likes Stevie Wonder, but no one else talks about him. So it was never really a thing that was on my to-do list. So it was 
a really nice surprise. I guess we'll get into the songs later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah, get into definitely. that. But all in all, I, I, I had a great time. I think it was a very fun experience. And I got to say that, you know, Stevie Wonder playing in the background, this is something that I'm definitely going to take to 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 keep doing i totally awesome. agree i had a very similar experience um to anon like very eerily similar actually um <laughs> i hadn't actually really heard much stevie wonder before like i would struggle to name a song i definitely have heard of it but i hadn't deliberately gone out to listen to his stuff uh, which is a little bit of the reason why i decided to choose it for the podcast and starting it off i don't know what it was but the first few songs I was like impressed, but also though I had like a negative state of mind. I, I won't go into it too much, but it was I was like, oh, I don't know, don't have a good feeling about it. It's a long album. I was waiting for it to go bad. And to be honest, there were a few songs that I was like, oh, there it is. Now it's not good anymore. But um, after I put it on shuffle and decided just to listen to like random songs, I was like, man, this is like... It's very much like a party mix, party mix candy, where like there's so much good stuff, but then you'll hit like this weird green or black one and it's like, oh, what, what is that? Like, <laughs> So I felt like I just hit like a couple of those at the start. And then after that, I was like, oh, I recognize this song. This is awesome. Or um, like, I don't know this song, but this is amazing. So there were so many songs I loved. There was a few that I, I couldn't get into, but um, for the most part, like I had a fantastic time and yeah, it's a long album. So I think I listened to it, um, all the way through twice actually. So I'm pretty impressed that I made it through, but <laughs> did you think that even, uh, you know, the, the, the less good tracks were still tracks that you would enjoy playing in the background or, uh, you would, yes, you know, just, uh, yeah. but if I was a director, like if I was a creative director, and they gave me the album and said, like, look, you, you can decide to cut it down or you can leave it as is, you know, you do what you think. I think I would cut it down, but not because of the length, but only because of a few songs that I didn't like. So, which would obviously cut down the length. So, yes, I like them in the background because they weren't like radically a different sound or anything like that, but I just didn't didn't particularly like them. I mean, we'll go into them, but... I think I settled on probably like five or six staples in this album, which I continuously like played through those when I like, I, I'd already listened to the album. I've already got my opinion, yeah. but I just wanted to play these songs like just cause I loved playing them. So, um, yeah, I had pretty awesome time with it. I got to say for our first album of, a, of an artist, like obviously we picked the, one of his best albums, but I'm still excited to go through a lot of the other albums and pick out like a few songs that I like. I don't know if this is going to be an artist that I will play album by album or if I'll just kind of make a big playlist of songs I like. I think it will yeah. be the latter, but this definitely, this is a solid album. I can understand why it's ranked highly. Yeah, let's talk about that a bit more. Like before we get deeper into mm. this album, which we, we definitely will, but I wanted to bring this up we, we've mentioned this a thousand times. This album is number four on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Album list. And a list that, while we mention very often, we I think we take it with a grain of salt. Uh, we've also mentioned that we've listened to Pet Sounds by, by the Beach Boys and Joni Mitchell's Blue, which are number two and number three, respectively, on that list. And I'm not sure if I can get my point about this across, but here's here's what I think. I think that 
I connected more with Pet Sounds and with Blue than I did with Songs in the Key of Life. But I didn't really get how they got to be ranked so high on the list. Mm. And I think that Songs in the Key of Life, while I maybe didn't love it as much as I did the other albums, I think it should be ranked very, very high. Like, maybe not top four, but there's something about it. You know, there's, there's this feeling of importance with this album. It feels yeah, yeah. heavy and significant, and it kind of feels like it demands your respect in a way. I can't really explain it. I got it. that same feeling. Yeah, it feels... like a high-ranking album. I heard an interview with Stevie in which he said that he came up with the album's title, Songs in the Key of Life, and he took it as a challenge. He tried to capture life in an album. He wanted to write about everything that was in his heart. And like I said, this album has something special to it. I think he did a pretty good job with it. And you know, like in that documentary, you see how the musicians that played on the album talk about it and how much they were... honored to be a part of that album and, and maybe because of that documentary I'm seeing this album in a different light like my opinions might have been affected by more than just the music on the album but I've gained a bunch of respect for this album and again it's not one of my all-time favorite albums but there's something about this album well what do you guys think did, did, did you feel like something along those lines would you rank it higher than blue and pet sounds I definitely got the vibe of like you know when you see someone in the street and you kind of think they are probably like famous maybe a celebrity yeah but you have no idea where they're from yeah but you just you think they probably are just like how they they show up this is that album for me like I was like I I don't know where to place this in his own discography, but this definitely feels like a historic album, which is weird because like you would have to, by definition, record it before it was a historic album. <laughs> That's what the recording process is. But it has this gravity to it. I don't know. Yeah. It does. It yeah. has this pull. I mean, having those recognizable songs obviously does help, but even on the songs that I didn't recognize, it still had that same essence to it. Yeah. Personally, I think we had different... feelings about blue i would definitely rank this higher than blue like blue i enjoyed some songs but not to the level i enjoyed this and mm. pet sounds i'm of i'm actually different to you again but i enjoyed pet sounds a lot more than you so i think pet sounds and this is pretty close uh, for my opinion i think this one's taking them both but you know i don't know maybe it's it's not the right comparison because they're really different yeah they, they are. are it's okay, just yeah. the fact that they're ranked so closely on the the rolling stones list which again yeah it's it's just a list like uh, it doesn't mean anything yeah so um, just a point of comparison i also think i have a, like a little bit more respect for the list than you do i i i don't know what it is but like the list i just i don't know i kind of feel like i'm always one to doubt my own like opinion you know like i mm. i say like, I, i didn't like it but maybe there's something i'm not getting And because it's the Rolling Stone, I'm always like, oh, well, they know music. So they like, definitely know more than us. They definitely know more than us. At the very least. <laughs> they can be wrong and they can also be different to us. So like, as in, yeah. if they said like, um, it's easier when it's within, a, within a, the same album. But say they said like Led Zeppelin's last album was better than their first album. Then I'd say just they're wrong, right? Yeah. But if they said, like, Led Zeppelin 4 is better than Physical Graffiti, which I'm pretty sure they do, I would say, well, they're not wrong, but I disagree. You know what I mean? Like, it's I open for like, interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's, like, those albums are, like, close enough that you can kind of, like, you can make your decision. And I don't think there's a wrong answer or a right answer to that. 
you know, I have my opinion. But yeah. I feel like because most of the list is made up of like people I don't know, I give them the benefit of the doubt and say like, oh, they they probably have a pretty good idea. So when I see stuff that's highly ranked, I get excited because I'm like, oh, great, you know? And if I see something that I really like that's lowly ranked, I don't think I like it too much, but I get a bit disappointed sometimes because yeah. I'm like, oh, what? Like, why don't they like it as much? So, yeah, I don't know. I have I've mixed feelings about it. But overall, I think I have more respect for not just the list, but I think I have more respect for just critics in general. I kind of don't give myself like the epistemic sort of like um, high road when it comes to it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm probably wrong. Like I, I just, I just assume I'm probably wrong, but yeah. and I don't mind because it doesn't affect my listening of it, but it's yeah, just, that's what I know those like abstract things that, you know, because obviously it's just sound waves. Like yeah. it, when it comes to the bottom, like, you know. On the I'm, cosmic level, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So if you rotate the sounds coming at you uh, sideways, then it becomes just a mess with all the notes <laughs> landing at once. <laughs> I totally, I think, like, I, I like the list. I like the Rolling Stones list. I think it's interesting. I, I like it as kind of a guide, but it's not a Bible, you know? It's not set in stone. Mm. I, I, I think I would change not, quite it's a bit. It's not like the Quag, no, for example. No, the yeah, Quag yeah. is will be set in stone once we're done with it. <laughs> At so, the start of the um, podcast journey, <laughs> I was way more into ranking things. And ever since I started, probably like the second year at least, I'm like a, almost like a little bit against ranking things. Like, mm. I don't know. I I have like this um, top five journal. So like it, all it, all the journal is is every page has like a heading, so it might be like fruit. And then I list down like my top five fruit. And <laughs> I, I banana. for years I put banana. in Banana, like, it has to be banana. No. I want, I want a copy of that journal. It sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I used to make like a like an entry every day, but now like at any time like I feel like pulling it out, it's actually very difficult to think of things to rank because I've done like everything. So, like, it gets into, like, very niche kind of subject areas. Yeah. You know, like, say, tr like, I did transport, which isn't the most niche, but, like, you know, like, forms of transport. <laughs> so, it's a very Private hard jet. to What's rank. The best? Private jet <laughs> has to be number one. No, first I did car. <laughs> <laughs> this is a serious list guys yeah <laughs> much more down to earth <laughs> wait is taxi is taxi a car like is it is it the actual vehicle or the or the mode of transporting like you pay someone to take you from place to place now i would kind of put taxi and uber into like ride share mm. and which would be Imagine. a which would be like could be an item on the list it's not yeah. but could be so as we mentioned, this is a long, long album. <laughs> were you making a point? I don't remember. <laughs> I totally forgot we were even talking about things. Yeah, I, I got totally distracted by the top five journal. It, it sounds, I'm thinking about starting one of my own. Banana. It has to be banana. <laughs> no, that's not banana. Um, mango. Mango. Yeah, mango is a good one. Mango is a good one. I like it. Um, oh, yeah, so this is a long, long album. Uh, do you think this album overstays its welcome or... Uh, Peter, you already mentioned that you would cut this album down, but not because of its length. What, what are you thinking about not its length? Not because of its length. Yeah, I think the length is fine. Like, I I think it's a little bit of a tough call to be saying, like, oh, you got to listen to it all at once. And yeah. if you 
always listen to it in order, some of the last songs are going to be rejected or neglected, I guess you could say. Yeah. But if you're putting it on at a dinner party, one hour 45 is fine. You're going to have to put on an album after that probably. So yeah, I, th- I, I think totally. Like, I mean, it's, it's weird to think of music as sort of like this quantitative thing, but like sometimes when I'm putting on music for guests and stuff like that, maybe it's a board game night and I don't want to reach my phone that often, I probably wouldn't put on Deja Vu. I'd, 35 minutes is like not that long. Like it's like a oh, one It would be over thing. before you would notice it even. Yeah. Like, I, and you, I know sitting, like listening to a podcast now, you think like 35 minutes, I can change an album every 35 minutes. But if you're like, engaged in conversation and you don't have your phone with you all times maybe you're checking the oven and like or watching like a show playing a board game or something you don't actually want to be like messing around with it too much sometimes you want to forget about it and just have it on and everyone enjoy it so sometimes i'll deliberately pick double albums luckily i like a lot of double albums but yeah i'll pick i'll pick long albums and sometimes even like just best ofs and stuff like that because i know they're going to be longer than 45 minutes so this for an hour 45 like i think it's pretty good and honestly it like doesn't get tired no doesn't get tired even if i pick my worst song and i put that on like as background music yeah. it's fine it's not going to be something i'm like tapping my feet to but I don't think there's anything so bad in here which like you'd skip or something like that if you weren't like actively listening to. I agree. So no, I think the length is fine. However, like you know, it's kind. Of, they, people always do this with the Beatles White Album and say if it was a single album, it would be amazing. But I don't know. You can do that yourself. You can like with technology nowadays. <laughs> um, you can just create your own like you know twelve song, forty minute thing and if you want to do that that's cool like yeah that's even that that's a fun process but um, yeah i have a playlist on my apple music that's like the the perfect order of songs from radiohead's kid a and i listen to that instead of the album and it works much better oh, i think that's cool yeah. yeah so you can do that but the thing is not ever everyone is gonna have different songs so then how many do you want to include on the actual album you know and then yeah you know i think I don't think there's anything wrong with having uh, having like a long album. Bar, what are what are you thinking about this? You know, when you listen to an album, it's not about finishing it. It's about you know getting um, some mood or some vibe or feeling something. You you can get that even when you're listening to to some of it. And I think that it's really it's really great to kind of create like your own playlist out of an album too, in order to get the mood or feeling that that I'm after. It's it's not it's kind of it's kind of going against the artist, but I I don't see anything wrong with it. No, there's nothing wrong with it, but I'd rather have like an album that works on its own because like I I, I don't want to cut down all of the albums I'm listening to. You know, if all of the albums were 21 songs, then then I'd have to cut down every album. That's maybe maybe not a good thing. What about? I think this is the best way. You do a um a single album. But you do a companion disc. So some like it'll be a mix of like studio takes or like different takes of the same songs and songs that didn't make the album. I think that's a good And a blank CDR. Yeah, I like I like that <laughs> idea. Because like when I get really excited uh, from an album, I well I guess all of us, like you start reading and, and seeing if there mm. are some, you know, tracks that, that didn't enter the cut or seeing live performances of it. Well, I guess it's part of the fun to to go and search for them, but having like this companion album sounds 
Sounds neat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a million dollar invention, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> it's already been done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the companion albums that I really like is um, Radiohead's com- uh, OK Computer. Like, they have a fantastic sort of, like, what would you say, like, bonus disc? A G-side, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they're like B-sides, essentially. Um, they have a really good one. Same with um, Nirvana's Nevermind. They, like, oh, really? I didn't know that one. Most of them are sort of like live versions or different takes or something like that, but it's it's pretty good. Like On the one hand, I think that Songs in the Key of Life is just way too long. And I, mm. I agree with you, Peter, that an album of this length, you can just put it and forget about it. And like it, it has its place. It has like situations it works in. But if it doesn't fit in one drive, then it's too much music for me. <laughs> Because, like, if I want to have to listen to this whole album in one drive, I'd have to drive like far away. <laughs> oh, you're talking about and the car. I thought I thought you were talking about like Microsoft's OneDrive or something. I'm like, how how much storage do you have, bro? <laughs> Fifty megabytes, isn't that isn't that what everyone has? <laughs> and I think that if they decide to cut about I don't know, like ten songs from this album they'd still have a normal length album with only the best of the best songs on it. It would be a bit easier for for the listeners. And, you know, they could also release the rest of the album next year and they'd have another full album on their hands. But on the other hand, I'm convinced that this album does need to be this long. Like I said, Stevie said that he took the title of the album as a challenge. And when you consider that, it makes sense that they'd end up with a 21 songs album. You know, I thought at first that Stevie just wrote a bunch of songs and decided not to cut any, and that's how the album became this long. But he even said on that interview I watched that he had more songs that were cut from this album. So the album was, at first, even longer. He had more? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> oh, wow. all in all, like, based on my personal preferences and my very basic familiarity with this album's, like, lyrics, um, because I didn't get too, too deeply into the lyrics, I... I I myself would make the decision to cut this album in half before releasing it. And I think that because Stevie went for something big here, you know, he was on a mission with this album. I think he he made the right call and, and went with like a huge double album. And, and I think it fits like the gravitas of this album. I think it works well for this album. I, I made a list of like songs that would cut or, and songs that would live in for like the perfect in uncut. And I ended up with, I think, 10 songs making the cut. But yeah, I think that if I'd really get to know this album and the importance of each song and, and how everything works together, because like I, I think that if I did really get to know this album, I think it's the perfect album. I think it works as it is. And this kind of brings me into the next question. Say that this album was released today by a new like unknown artist by someone no one's heard about uh, do you think it would become successful i'm gonna say mm. yes actually if they pick the right songs as singles because singles are like you don't even have to release an album anymore singles will do like <laughs> yeah that's true um i think if they pick the right combination of singles i would actually say yes because the production value is better than what a lot of indie artists are even doing nowadays, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with the, like, all the new sort of synthesizers and stuff like that. His style is hard to replicate with that kind of technology. So I'd say, like, the horns and stuff like that. 
the stuff that requires more of a human touch, I think um, I think he would be on good footing actually because I don't think you can like simulate like a drum beat like what is going on in that album. So I think it'd be good. I think like the the song that I would probably put on is maybe I Wish. I think that would be a really good one to put on on the radio or something like that. And also um, I know it's been sampled in a, in another song, so you'd have to kind of like pretend it hadn't been sampled but the <laughs> pastime paradise that would be a that would be a very popular song i think yeah so i disagree here i think i think yeah. that uh, while this album is great I, I don't think that it matches it's not like like people will hear it and will say well, that's that's a weird ripoff of a gangster's paradise <laughs> or this album would have worked well in the 70s but today maybe not so much hmm. that's the crazy thing because it's been so mainstream then So today's mainstream is taking a lot is built mm. on top of it and yeah. it's probably not exactly will talk to to someone today although it is a great music and and I gotta say that you know I sat outside in a in a restaurant yesterday and they played um I think what was my favorite song there um oh are we gonna spoil it just we'll go into it next yeah what's the uh yeah, don't tell us Okay, never mind. So, uh, so, one, yeah. <laughs> so one of the songs in the album. So you're thinking that people will listen to this album today and think it's like a step backwards, step in the wrong direction. I think it sounds oldie and not everyone likes oldies. I, I, I think that I can see how this album released today by an unknown artist would become one of those hidden gems, like an album that is just adored by a small, relatively small group of people because it's really a special album. But... Back then, it wasn't released into a vacuum, you know? It, it had Stevie Wonder's name on it. And like mm. we said, he already had 17 albums before this one. And he, was, he had a few very successful releases at that time. So maybe, I, I don't know how big of a factor that is. But on the other hand, this album really does have something for everyone. It has a, like a variety of songs. It has so many different songs in it. And I can see how one or two would break through and help this album kind of find its way into the mainstream. That had, that had such a Trump vibe to it. This, this album <laughs> has so many songs. <laughs> so much variety. You. you know, so many songs. You, could, you couldn't ask for any more songs, songs than what's Just on this album. <laughs> this album has the most songs of any album. If I had to put my money on it, I'd say that this album would break out and become successful. But... I really wish we could have done this experiment uh, in real life, which we can't. Um, so, favorite and least favorite songs. Uh, Barya, you start us off. You already started talking about your favorite song. Did you find out what it's called? <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. The, the Sir Duke one. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. Got I, such a I had not cool heard of that rhythm. before the album. No way. Really, Peter? Yeah. People said, like... On Apple Music, it's got, like, the star next to it, mean, which means, yeah. like, you should know this dipshit. And I <laughs> absolutely, like, I had never heard of it. Like, I thought Apple Music algorithm was just having a fit, but I had heard Isn't She Lovely. I've heard that. Isn't she And lovely? Sir Duke, I've never heard of it. Really? I don't know. I yeah. recognized it the second it started playing. Hmm. And it's also on my list. That's your favorite? Um, one out of two. Yeah. I know I think it's a perf- almost a perfect song like every layer in it every instrument is fun the lyrics are a celebration of music yeah the whole song is uh, dedicated to Duke Ellington which died a couple of years before that bam, 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 
listen to the guitar the bass everything like once the singing starts once we get into the song yeah everything just rhythm. works perfectly yeah everything You can feel it all over Feel free to mute me You can feel it all over It has like almost like an early Michael Jackson vibe Very much so Yeah I totally agree A lot of songs do I also thought about that It's not the deepest song in the album But it's just so fun Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I, I have another favorite one, but yep. Peter, do you want to go first? No, nah, no, nah, you do yours. The, the, uh, Barrio, what about you? Do you have another favorite song you want to bring up? I don't want to steal the uh, floor. You go and I'll find mine in the meanwhile. Uh, another, uh, another song that really, really stood out to me is Summer Soft. A, a lot of songs in this album kind of reminded me of, of old Michael Jackson songs. And yeah. Mm. Yeah, this one, the intro definitely does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I grew up on, like, the old Michael Jackson albums, so it, it always felt like home to me. Mm. Other than, you know, sounding like an old Michael Jackson song, it builds up, and, and the chorus is just, I don't know, it just makes me feel this a lot of stuff. This is what I call, just... like, a, like, a loud, soft song. Like, one of those, yeah. like, ones that goes soft and loud, soft and loud. Yeah, totally agree. It's, it's very gentle, and then it, it explodes. It doesn't mm. violently explode. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those songs that makes me stop doing whatever I'm doing and just enjoying the moment. I love this song. Yeah. And she's It's gone. impossible not to shake your head. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, was just, I was just shaking it. <laughs> Shake it, Barrio. Shake your head. <laughs> Violently mm. shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, so these, these two were my favorite songs on the album. Two very nice songs. Yeah. I have just the one because it does stand out above the rest to me. I honestly had such a tough time coming. Like, it was probably, like, Thursday-ish that I was, like, panicking because I had, like, <laughs> four that I really liked. And I was like, oh, no, like, I don't want to be that guy who says, like, he doesn't have a favorite. <laughs> But I played them, like, repeatedly, and then one sort of started to, like, come out. Like, that bit where Usain Bolt, like, splits from the pack, and then he's, like, two meters yeah. ahead, smiling and all yeah. that. Like, this happened with this song. And um, to me, like, it, it feels like maybe the most polished song on the album. Mm. And um, luckily, it's also, a, like, a longish one. So feels like it almost has like a Hey Jude vibe where it just goes on and on and on a little bit. The, the song is um, Joy Inside My Tears. I love that song. Mm. It's very repetitive. Yeah, it is a little bit repetitive, but I don't mind it. No, it, it like near the end, the, the, the chorus just keeps repeating itself who knows how many times, but it works. It really, really works. Peter, you'll know what I'm... I, I, maybe you know what I mean. Like, 
the verses of this song really reminds me of Paul McCartney's Wings, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's actually,、um, I hadn't thought about that. It really, like, it even sounds a bit like Paul McCartney singing. Got a lot of nice inflections in it, you know? Like,、yeah. not just singing it, you know? Oh man, this is a beautiful song. It is a very nice song. How long is it?、Uh, I think it's six minutes. Yeah, about six and a half minutes. Yeah, and I think the last like three minutes is just this chorus、yeah. over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to emphasize the best bits, you know? Good, the bad, and the ugly、yeah, uh, stare off, you know? That's good. true. Beautiful, beautiful song. It did make my cut. <laughs> that's good. Oh, it has that weird bass where it's like, woo, 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 you know? Yeah. Very wobbly bass. Yeah. Do you guys want to bring any other songs? I want to mention another star. You know, I wasn't sure if, I, if I'm really fond of it or, 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 or maybe I just heard it as a, as a kid and it's, it's full of nostalgia for me. There's the, the whole singing line, it's so familiar. Yeah, I think they used to play. I don't know if Peter, you'll、uh, know what we're talking about, but like here in Israel, they used to play this song in weddings all of the time. Like it's a,、uh, it's a very familiar song. I don't know if it's at weddings, but it, it, actually, no, it would be at weddings. It, it's, a, it's very like one of those songs. Yeah, I think, I think that would be the same here. It has like this great Latin feel to it, beautiful、yeah. trumpets in the background. Yeah. And. It's one of those songs that I did get into the lyrics, and I really like those.、Mm. The moment it started playing, I recognized it. Do they play it in weddings? Yeah, that's where I knew it from, but maybe. Late in the wedding. Yeah. Like when, when people have had a few drinks. Yeah. Do you guys want to go into the least favorite songs, or do you guys want to do some honorable mentions? Or,、uh... Oh, let's do some honorable mentions. I'd mention Love's、uh, In Need of Love Today, the first song in the album, because、mm. it's, it's a really good song. It definitely made my cut, and I don't know if I would. Use it as like the opening song because、mm. <laughs> it takes a bit of confidence to start a 21 songs album with the slow six and a half minute song, but it's a beautiful song.、Uh, so maybe in my cut, it wouldn't be the, the, the opener, but definitely a lovely song.、Um, I think my honorable mention, one main honorable mention, this one's one that kind of came up late. It was、um, maybe because it was towards the end of the album, but. And I thought, oh no, end of the album, now it's all dying away, you know, nothing's good here. But the last three songs were just quite amazing to me. And this one is the one that stuck out. So、um, this one is All, all Day, Day Sucker. Sucker. Yeah. I knew it. I like that too. Yeah. It's, it's got a great, like, little hook. And I don't know, it's just, it's very catchy. I think this works towards the end of the album as well. Yeah, I agree. I have to say, this is a song 
I usually skipped. Oh, I didn't love this song at first, but like I, I skipped it for like the first week and a half. But in the last couple mm. of days, I gave it some more airtime and I liked it a lot. Like it didn't sink in for me. It didn't stick for me. But like when I do decide to listen to this song, I like it a lot. It's a good song. I gotta yeah. say that it's interesting. Like musically, it's interesting. Like yeah. you, would, you wouldn't get it at first, but it has um, something that is not usual. It, it is an interesting song. I don't love the sound of the syn- synthesized guitars in the background in the verses, but all in all, it's a very good song. Yeah, I can understand that. I want to mention something, but it, maybe it's, it's a good um, cutoff because I want to bring it as, as um, something that I like, not loved, but I got a feeling that it's going to be in your least favorite songs list. Hmm. If it's magic. If it's magic. Yeah. I really, really love that song with the, all of the harps. And yeah. The... So that's the thing. That's why maybe I thought you, you wouldn't, you, you would dislike it because it's, it's a bit catchy. It's a bit like... Kitschy? Yeah. It's not in my least favorite, but it's definitely... It wouldn't make my list if I had to cut the album down. Really? I definitely made my list. I think it's a great kind of mid-album slowdown or maybe, hmm. maybe even a good album closer. I really, really like this song. Yeah. I think as, as an album closer, it could have been wonderful. Because it's, it's dreamy. What, what do you actually think of the album Closer? The easygoing evening? I, it didn't impress me too much. Like, I didn't have a lot to say about it. I feel like if they titled it like, you know, Rowdy Saturday Night, and then they played this, I would have just been like, mm, I don't know if I like this song. It's, I don't know, it's just a bit weird. But since they did call it easygoing evening, it got me in the mood. And I was like, come on, give me something easy. <laughs> and then, <laughs> how easy could it be? And, um, and then, I don't know, like, I, I enjoyed it. Like, I, there's something about an easygoing song that I like. It reminds yeah. me a bit of Tom Waits' Closing Time, the, the closer from his first album. It's not exactly the same feel, but as a closer, they kind of feel the same shoes in a way. I like it. It reminds me a lot of um, a song called um, Saturday Night or It's Saturday Night by The Proclaimers. Like, it's, it's just a very, um, very casual song. And I love a casual song. Before we go into the least favorite songs, I have a quick question. Yep. Is there, like, would you say you're more attracted to one type uh, or the deeper songs or the lighter songs? Uh, or is it the mix of everything that works for you? I, I'm definitely split 50-50 when I look at it. I like about half from each, I'd say. Yeah. Mm, the lighter ones, mm. definitely. Because I, I think that's kind of like Stevie Wonder in all, in all its glory. Also, one more I have to mention. I don't know how I didn't mention it or how it hasn't been mentioned yet, but um, Contusion, which is like Ooh. the best. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatic brain how injury explained. How does it explained. get that wrong? So I've just typed into our little music player, Play Contusion. And I was super excited because Contusion is not a very common name for a song. And then it plays like this brain trauma, like, you know, documentary film. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think this one won like best instrumental. There is... Oh, really? um, Yeah, there is some background vocals, but I 
I'm happy to call it instrumental. No, it's an um, instrumental, no doubt about it. This is fantastic. It really is. It reminded me a little bit of. <laughs> We're, we're just playing there. This reminds me of the game, but um, <laughs> this reminds me of a little bit of apostrophe from um, Frank Zappa. Yeah, um, a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Just like a few songs in, and it's just this weird. Mix. I think it's the third song in the album, maybe or the fourth. Yeah, it has this um, prog really rock feel it. to it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I like every it. time it started, um, that that intro. Like didn't catch me, and I was like, "Do I skip this song? Do I not skip this song?" And then the mm. guitar kicks in, and no, this is great. I love it. It's yeah, it's not long. It's like three minutes long, I think. It's prog rocky. It's it's bright. You know, it's fun. Uh, yeah. I like it a lot. I love that bit. The energetic stuff. Yeah, some great drumming as well. How about your least favorite songs? All right. The Dr. Manhattan of the Isn't album. Isn't it annoying? <laughs> Is it uh, your least favorite song? Yeah, I think so. Really? <laughs> I, I Barra got... doesn't like Isn't She Lovely. Why, why don't you like it? The thing is, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's it's probably one of the more famous ones. But Well, actually, Isn't She Lovely? On, on Apple Music, it doesn't have a question mark. But I've seen it with a question mark. So if it's... Isn't she lovely? Like, ah, oh, isn't she? Uh. But if there isn't one, then it's like, isn't she lovely? Like, lovely she isn't. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. I'm saying that it's not, it's not lovely. Lovely it isn't, <laughs> I would say. Like, I didn't love this song at first, but when I figured out it's about Stevie's first daughter. Yeah, what do you uh, have you against daughters? You can feel daughters? the love coming out of that song. <laughs> uh, it's not one of my favorite. I didn't make my cut. But I, I I didn't I didn't hate this song. <laughs> I don't know. It's annoying. It's so overplayed. It's very repetitive. It's, it's another one of those songs that just keeps playing the chorus. It's just just doesn't resonate. That makes sense. It's not that I don't like the song, but I remember it being slower. Like maybe I've heard a slower version or something. Maybe there is I a slower just, version of it. Yeah, because I like it if it was slower. <laughs> hey Stevie! Hey Stevie! Can you can you can you make it slower? Can you Just a tad slower? slower? <laughs> so Steve, we're gonna um, we're slower. gonna cut some songs and also make some songs um, longer. Isn't she lovely? <laughs> would be lovelier if it was slower. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's like a bunch of like samples. Like there's uh, there's a baby crying at some point, which oh, is, is probably annoying. his daughter. Which I, I, I'm sure he loves his daughter, and that's all cute and all. But we don't. I don't want to listen to a crying baby and. I don't. That was a, actually annoying. Yeah, and there's a bit in that song where you can hear his daughter kind of, I don't know, like splashing in a bathtub or something. And every time that started playing, I I, I felt like there's I don't know, like a water pipe breaking somewhere nearby. And <laughs> so I, I don't hate that song, but it didn't make my cut. Um, another least favorite song, Mario? No, I, I'll I'll stick with that. Cool, Pete. Um, my least favorite was "Ordinary Pain." Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> I I didn't like that one. Or actually, I'm not sure. I think look, I, there was a few that I didn't like, and another. I know satin. I didn't like. I satin seemed a little bit uninspired to me. Yeah. Yeah. Sat, satin just honestly, satin did feel like like obviously I know it's not the case now because he made so many cuts, but it felt like oh, you know, I need to make a long album. 
while you put in and then <laughs> I don't know it just I honestly can't listen to it and say like wow this is a great song like it just you know how songs sometimes they don't have a deep lyrical meaning but there's sort of like a the song has a bit like it it's, yeah there's something to get about the song this one felt like there was nothing to get it just felt like empty yeah in my notes it just wrote not a favorite of mine yeah it's a bit generic it's a bit meh but I don't know this is going to be unpopular but I listened to If It's Magic as Another Star and Saturn and that was like I was getting a bit shaky because I was like I don't know I haven't liked any of those songs and mm. didn't really strike me as something that I would ever like listen to again but then I listened to the last three songs and I was you know I was thrilled again but yeah just that four, that that run of like four songs I was just not a fan of any other uh, least favorites I'd probably say no I, I would probably stick with Saturn and I and I think I think I was right with Ordinary Pain Ordinary Pain wasn't um, wasn't a favorite of mine either uh, Ordinary Pain it's not a song I, I'd skip I kind of like it but it also I like the first kind of gentle half I like the second groovy half but as a whole Not, not, not my favorite song. It didn't make my cut. Okay. Um, my least favorite song is a song I can't pronounce. Um, oh, the Nikki Kukwela lost the story I'm seeing. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't want to give it a go. I-, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like the sound. It's not a bad song. I just don't like the, the synthesizer here. It's too bright, too, too, too light. I don't know. I don't like it. It's not a bad song. It just didn't work for me. I skipped it. There's something hooky about this song like, that I quite like. So, something tribal. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard it before, <laughs> la, but it la, la, la. gave me familiar, <laughs> familiarity. So how, how do you pronounce this, Peter? How do you pronounce it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just go, Nikagugula Istava Historia. Yeah, that one, if anyone wants to Google it. I'm not a fan of this song. I think this is the only song I really didn't like uh, like further than just skipping this song I just don't like this song but this is the only one so while this album is not exactly in the genre that I you know grew up listening to or the styles I most connect with I always had kind of a warm spot in my heart for for this kind of music and I, I just love the drums and the bass in the album I love the catchy songs I enjoy letting the deeper songs kind of grow on me but Yeah, still, just, just because it's in a different style than what I usually listen to, it's, it's, it's not going straight to the top of my all-time favorite albums. But having said that, I feel like I've made a special connection with this album. I probably wouldn't have gotten to know this album if we didn't do it for the podcast. And through this experience, I got to know an album that feels important. It feels like it has its own gravity field in, in some way. And... To find out how many songs I already knew on my first listen made me think of how much playtime these songs probably got, how many times they were covered or sampled, or, and it makes me feel like, you know, people just love these songs. And, and I don't know, it's hard to describe, but I feel that while I don't get all of these songs and I don't get, like, I don't entirely get the, 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 the meaning of this album, I can sense how important and great it is. It's like this album is kind of radiating, radiating light in some way. This was kind of a special experience. Uh, I'm really glad we've done this. Yeah, I'll, I'll join in. I, I think the same. Like, I, I kept 
hearing about Stevie Wonder, but never thought that I'll take the time to to actually uh, listen to it and take a deep dive. And I gotta say that I think this is like I, I I'm not sure if I was able to say it about the other albums that we did, although I really like them. I I don't think they really. I really saw a situation where they're they're even playing the background, and I can definitely say it about about this one. Really fun and 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 nice vibe. But you, it's it's kind of hard for albums to kind of get uh, through to you. Like you've said before, that you know you you kind of know in a listen or two if an album kind of works for you, if it clicks for you. And I think that most of the albums we've done so far, while you kind of you, you like those, but. Most of those just didn't click for you. You're saying that this one did. Um, it didn't click in the way that, you know, I got some albums and musicians that I feel that they touch something really deep and I need to keep exploring them. Yeah. So it didn't get there, but it's just delightful. I thought it was a pretty good album. I wasn't like over the moon with it. But I had a good time. But I don't know. There's something about like recording the podcast and like listening to like all my favorite songs and then listening to your favorite songs and then trying to come up with like a song I didn't like and kind of struggling a little bit. I think I liked it more. Like this might be a little bit of a problem with how long it is. Sometimes I got lost a little bit and like forgot like where I was in the album because there's so much stuff. You know, which you don't get with, like, Kid A, which has, like, 10 songs or, you know, basically any of the other albums we've done except for Taylor Swift. Yeah. But I think I actually did like it more than I let on at the start. So I'd say this is definitely above Pet Sounds for me, like a a rung above um, Pet Sounds. Uh, And to be honest, like, some of the songs that I liked, I really liked. Some of the songs that I thought were okay were really like really okay. You know, some other people will <laughs> really okay. Like some some will like when I say that I mean like if I if I go to even some of my favorite albums and say like oh you know this song's like not a like bit of a deep cut like not everyone will like this. It's not really going to be anyone's favorite song. But like with your favorite song, Sir Duke, like I thought that was okay. Yet it's someone else's favorite song, and I'm sure that's the case with a lot of these songs. So, yeah, um, I think there's a lot to love to this, and I'm, like I do rate it pretty highly. I think like the measure of an album for me is like I I keep usually like when I'm looking for albums to listen to, I just go to like my music, then to albums, and then I look for an album cover. And after we listen to Blue, I just like took it out of like my albums and same with Taylor Swift's folklore. Um, same with pet sounds actually as well. Really? You removed it from your uh, library? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, Hmm. like not that I never want to hear it again, but I'll, if I want to listen to it, I'll, I'll just like search for it. You know, like I don't want it on my list because I'm like always, you know, scrolling through it. And this one, I think I might actually keep in my list. This is something I could see myself like listening to, say, for instance, if there's another Stevie Wonder album that I want to listen to, I might listen to that album, but also have this one as well. Like, I don't know, like just to have listen next to it, you know, like maybe if I get bored of the other album or something like yeah. that, put this one on. I think I'll keep this one around. This one's, um, this one is like. Yeah, kind of an iconic album, actually, for me. I'll mention, I listened to a, a couple other Stevie Wonder albums. Um, mm. Talking Book from 1972 and Inner Visions from 1973. 
And I have to say, I heard that one's quite good. Yeah, they're very, they're simpler. They're not as well produced. They're raw in comparison okay. with this one. But I just love the sound. I love the dirty guitars. I love the, the there's a bunch of, <laughs> it's funny to say, but they're filled with songs I've recognized as well. Songs I didn't know are hmm. Stevie Wonder songs. They're, I guess he gets a lot of airtime because I just recognize more and more of his songs the, more, the deeper I get into his stuff. So, as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life as a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide, a.k.a. The Quig. We will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay. And the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. Ooh. Who wants to vote first? I'll vote first. Just before I vote, I just want to say this, like sometimes, like I know last episode, I think it was last episode. What did we do last episode? Um, I oh, know. We did um, the Rebel movie. Without a Cause? Yeah, when I voted yeah. yes for that, I knew that it wouldn't get in. Like, I absolutely 100% knew, but I'm happy to vote for it. Because that's the point. Like, you vote for what you want, right? Yeah. But this one, like, I'm legitimately interested to see if it makes it. I have no idea what I'm going to vote yet. I am going <laughs> to tip my hat for this one. This is maybe one of the most interesting Quake votes we've had, I think. I don't want to go next, Barrio. I'll go next. Um, I think... It was delightful, and I think that because you can hear a lot of familiar things there, then I think it is an important cultural asset. So I will tip my hat as well. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's all on you, Inoni. I have to say, I'm first of all, I'm really delighted at how much like all of us have enjoyed this experience. I didn't think you guys will enjoy it as much as I did. I'm really surprised. I thought you guys would say it's like a mediocre album. Uh uh, that shows how much I I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> but I have to say, it's it feels like a very special album. And sometimes you get how much you you've enjoyed the experience. Only like sometimes I find that I, I I realize how much I enjoyed an album or an experience only when I'm talking about it with you guys. Yeah, I felt like that today. Yeah, you you, you mentioned it only when we've kind of played a, a bunch of songs and kind of. Uh, debated how much we've enjoyed each of the songs and which were our least favorite songs, then, then I realized, man, this is a special, special album. I'm going to tip my hat for it. Um, this is in the Quag. This is the first album that made it into the Quag other than Queen's Live at Wembley. Um, uh, man, <laughs> why why this song? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to play like a historic, like a celebration song. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to put on... Um... I can't remember what it was called. This song just celebrates music. It had to be Sir Duke. <laughs> I think other than movies, we've had mostly albums. I think we've had like maybe eight albums on our quest until now. Mm. And this is the second album that got in there. And the first one was Queen. It like, it had to This is our it. first studio <laughs> album. Yeah, the first studio album to make it into the Quig. Yeah. It's mm. a very special album. It deserves a spot in the Quig. I'm very happy about this. This is... Yes, delightful. How many How many things have we got in the Quig now? Mm, let me tell you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten... 11, including this album, 12 things have made it into the Quag out of mm. 35 things we've done. Um, okay. 
So 12 out of 35, not bad. Oh, wait. I didn't count Watchmen. So 13 out of 35. Oh, that's cool. Well, next up, we're going back to the cinematic world, and we will do Rain Man, a 1988 film directed by Barry Levinson, starring Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Yes. Um, I really don't know how to describe it. I really, like, other than I think that Dustin Hoffman plays an autistic person, I absolutely know nothing about this. Yeah, Um, same here. I do know that it won a bunch of awards, so it's supposed to be a really good movie, and hopefully it will no, it will stick. Yeah, I've only heard like references because sometimes like someone will recall like a lot of details or something like that, and then someone yeah. will be like, okay, slow down, Rain Man. Yeah, <laughs> and like I feel like <laughs> that. Like I just I just know Rain Man is someone who's just like can recall things. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. basically what I know <laughs> as well. I watched this movie when I was like in, I don't know, maybe when I was 10 or 11. And like it just went over my head and I was too young to get it. I uh, don't remember anything from it. And it's a very highly regarded film. So I don't know, I, I have a good feeling about this one. I think it's going to be a fun, a fun choice, a movie that we'll enjoy probably. Uh, it did win Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, Best Actor. Uh, so... I think it uh, was recognized. Yeah, it comes with recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get your hopes up, though. We're yeah. very super critical. <laughs> yeah, we're critical. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> we love Stevie Wonder, though. <laughs> Best artist ever. So, thank you, Peter, and thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. The Culture Quest Podcast is part of All the People Network. Visit our website at culturequestpodcast.com to contact us or see a list of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on Twitter at CQ underline podcast and tell your friends about us. Find out more information about All the People Network and the other podcasts it includes at allthepeoplenetwork.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to, um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because, a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So, 
it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So, out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.